Pastor Mike McCoy, welcoming you to the Time of Truth. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 today. Pray this will be a help to you. Matthew 14, verse 22. Going to read down through... uh, I said 32, Jeff, I had you mismarked that. I'm going to go ahead and include 33 and 34 on this to get them where they're going. You found Matthew 14 and 22, shout amen. Amen. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, He went up into a mountain apart to pray, and when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Peter answered, said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. That's big right there. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, you don't have to wait three weeks or 10 days or go through a probationary probationary period. Uh, And immediately, Jesus stretched it forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they were in the ship, came and worshiped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. Father, I love you, and I thank you for this day, and I thank you for hearing us. And I thank you for being with us. And I bless your holy name that God, you are God. There's none other like you. You was God yesterday, today, and forever. You said, yeah, I'm God and I change not. I pray that you'd fill my mouth, guard my tongue, preach me inside the bounds of the holy writ. Help me be accurate in scripture. God, touch the heart. No doubt in a congregation this size, somebody's here lost today. Needs the Lord. God never been born again as Brother Randall preached about a minute ago. God, we're asking that today somebody might be born again, that the Spirit of God would draw them. We know that Jesus says come. And I'm praying, Lord, that somebody today might come. Thank you. Remind us, Lord, today of when you spoke to us and said come. Bless your name forever. And we came. I want to give you glory for what you're about to do, and I ask it in the king's name, Jesus. Amen. And amen. I want to preach today on this little thought. I opened my Bible early yesterday morning. God gave me this thought on coming and going. 
coming and going. You know, we say it's a slang around here. Uh, they don't know whether they're they don't know whether they're coming or going. That means they're confused. I'm afraid there's a lot of people in the world today that don't know whether they're coming or going. They, they, they have this attitude about church and Christ and think if they fill a pew once in a blue moon that it means that they're good to go to glory. Coming to church don't make you a Christian, Billy Sunday said, any more than being in a garage makes you an automobile. It's not being in the church that makes you a Christian. Praise God, it's being in the body of Christ that makes you a Christian. We have a gathering place here. We are gathered today and we're gathered in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're wondering what we're doing here, he must increase and we must decrease. We're looking to build him up in every aspect from our youngest child to our eldest adult. We're looking to do this to exalt the name of Christ. We're looking to do that in our worship. We're looking to do that in our life. We're looking to do that outside these doors especially. Let our light so shine before men they might see our good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. All we've got today is him. If I'm going to glory in any thing it'll be the cross I've got nothing good to glory about so I want to go on record today say I know this I know where I have come and I know where I shall go we have here an account that's recorded in two other gospels in Matthew and John John gives a little more detail about this. The reason Jesus had sent these men away straightway, get a, get a hold of this. Now he's just fed 5,000 people. He's fed 5,000. And so when they see that, they know that anybody with that kind of power, no doubt, could come in and give any army what they would need to, to defeat the Romans. They would like to have the Romans defeated. But that's not the purpose that Jesus came. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. It wasn't the Romans they had a problem with. It was God they had a problem with. They'd forgot who God was. Let me tell you, that's a dangerous place to be. I'm afraid America's rating right up there. I know Brother Branch said in Sunday school we ought to be looking at the good things, and we should. But the Bible is this. It said that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. You better know that we're fulfilling. We're watching Bible prophecy be fulfilled in front of us today he constrained them he sent the disciples away because in John it says they wanted to make him king it wasn't time though he was king and is king and ever shall be king he was king before he made the first man he's still king today he's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world <laughs> there's nobody else like him Bless God, he's my breath. He's my bread. He's my morning. He's my evening. He's my day. He's my walk. He's my talk. In him I live, move, and have my being. There's nobody like him today. Praise God, every good thing you ever had come your way came by the hand of the grace of God, and you didn't get any good thing any other way. Praise God, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. What he'll give me, he'll give Gabe. I'm telling you, he's been good to us today. And he had to send them away. They wanted to make him king then. He said, my time's not come. He constrained his disciples. He commanded, he ordered them. 
he put them on a boat and told them promptly to go to the other side. Now he's fed 5,000. They're headed back toward Capernaum, the headquarters of Jesus, Bethsaida, Gennesaret. It's all right there. Brother Grover and I got out one night down at the Sea of Galilee. We walked through two or three communities. I don't know whether we was in old Bethsaida or where we was at, but we walked all over the place. And, and then about 10 o'clock at night, just beautiful, beautiful. Nobody out stirring, just just rolled up the sidewalk here, walked around out there, beautiful place. So when it, the Bible said, one record said they went to Gennesaret, one said they went here, one said they go toward Capernaum. Listen, when they went that way, they all went in the same direction. That's where they're headed. And when he gets there, here's what it is. Or when he sends them on that way, here's what it is. Jesus went. When he sent the, when he sent the multitudes away, Brother Andy, Jesus went. He went to a specific place. He went to a mountain alone to pray. Now, I want you to see this because this is, I know you've heard this preached before, nothing new under the sun. This is just a reminder this morning. Here's the reminder of this, Brother Randy. When Jesus is on the mountain and they're on the ship and he's sending them out into the sea, it is a picture of where he's at now. He was up there praying. He's making intercession for them that he just put in the boat and he sent them out. Why did he do that? Because he knew what they're about to face. I wish this was an original thought, but it's not. I, I got this from uh, Wearsby, and he said there's, there's two types of storms in the Christian life. This is good. There are storms for correction. You never, if you're a Christian, you've been born again, you know if you've gotten a storm and it's a rocking and a rolling, you know the Holy Ghost reminds you, here's why you're here because of what you've done there. And here it comes and you know the storm of correction. Hey, the wind gets up, things aren't good, you've lost your shout, the tears have disappeared and dried up, things aren't like they once was in the church house. Sunday, Wednesday night don't mean much anymore. You know what he'll do? He'll let a storm of correction come by. But this is not a storm of correction. This is a storm of perfection. This storm is to perfect them in their faith. This storm, Jesus allows that they might grow. He, he, J James said it like this, we're to grow, or Peter, we're to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're not growing, we may get a storm of perfection to see us pull up at the table and take another bite every now and then. Here we have this. We have him, and he has constrained them and sent them out. He has waited. He's gone into a mountain. He's praying. He's watching them. And here's what happens. Right in the middle of the will of God, following exactly what Jesus said to do, they run headlong into a wind that's contrary to them. I got this, Brother Jerry, last night. This helped me. I, I pray it'll help you. This wind's blowing right in their face. And they're rowing, rowing, rowing. They have rowed most of the night. When they went out, it was evening. Now when Jesus comes walking by, it's the fourth watch. So they didn't just row for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. These boys have rowed all night. And all they've done is got from the shore to the middle of the lake. That's as far as they got. How far are we? How far are we in our walk in life with Christ have we rode and rode and we've, we've just got off the shore. 
I can call Jesus anytime. Hey, I need help. Here I am. I'm doing the best I can. I'm writing the will of God. I'm a working myself to the bone, and I've not got very far. Jesus is watching them the whole time. <laughs> Don't you know he is seeing them when he is on the mountain praying for them? He's calling to the Father, and he's watching them down, and he's thinking, just keep rowing, boys. I'll be there in just a minute. <laughs> Don't quit now. Just keep on rowing. Here's what I got last night. If something is contrary to you, that means it's coming against you. So the wind was in their face. Are you with me? The wind was in their face. You know what it would have been the, the easiest thing for them to do at that time? What? Turn around. All they had to do, quit rowing. The contrary wind blows them back to where they started. But Jesus said, goat, you're going to get in the Sarah. You got to cross the river. You got to cross the lake or the sea. They call it the sea. It ain't big as Watts Bar. And there he is, and he's going to cross. And they could have just stopped and turned around. No, but they kept on rowing. Can I tell you, Christian, today, don't pick up the oars. Leave them in the water. Leave them in the water. You know what the water, let me tell you what the water represents in the Bible. Three types of water in the Bible. Now, if we have a washing of water by the word, then the water represents, of course, the word of God. So there's times that the washing of water represents the word of God. He's washed us in his own blood, not literally, figuratively. How does he do that? Through the word. That's how the washing comes. We have that. It's not a literal washing. Well, I've not literally drank his blood or eat his flesh, figuratively speaking, and spiritually I do that. Matter of fact, we're going to do that tonight. But there's also water that you drink. Any water that you drink represents the spirit in the word of God. He said, I have to, anyone that will drink of this water will never thirst again. The water that I shall give you shall be in you a well of water springing up into everlasting life. That's the spirit of God. If we have not the spirit of Christ, we're not his. If the spirit of God doesn't stripe you when you habitually sin, friend, you need a, you need a heart checking. So here it is, the spirit, but also the water represents in the Bible the word or the world. When the children of Israel stood on the shore and Moses held up the rod and said, stand still and see the salvation of God, he parted the water and they walked across on dry land. That is symbolic of going through this world to get to the promised land where God wants us to be. But in Revelation 17, John the Revelator said it like this, the whore that thou sawest, which set upon many waters, was this, peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So that's what it is. What is that a picture of? It's a picture of the world. So what is this storm like? This storm is a picture. They're floating on this. They're not drinking this water. This water isn't washing them. They're on top of this water. Therefore, this water, this sea, represents the world, and they're in it. And he put them right in the middle of it and kept them right in the perfect will of God, but they never turned around. They just kept on rowing. And it would have been easier. I'm just going to tell you. Churches across America today have found it easier to pick up the oars and let the prince and power of the air blow them in the wrong direction. There is, and I'm preaching to myself. There's never been a time to lower the standard. Raise the bar. 
raise the bar. Don't you tell our kids you get something. Listen, I'm not for this. Everybody plays, gets a trophy. No. I'm for the winner getting a trophy, but I don't want to put too much emphasis on that. We're in this world. If we're not careful, look here. If we're not careful, we pull, pull one oar up. Now we're just going in circles. And I'm afraid many pulled both oars up, throwed them down in the vessel and said, just blow me where you want me to go. I'm tired of fighting. But let me tell you this by the authority of the word of God today. You don't have to quit. And you just keep on rowing because one of these days when it looks the darkest, somebody's going to come walking right by where you're at. Bless God. And he's going to say, hey, look at me. They're right in the middle of the will of God and they're in a storm that's contrary to them. Every storm the devil throws your way is going to be contrary to the word of God. You better know it. How, what are these things? Well, it's family. That's a big one coming against you contrary to your trying to do what the Lord have you do. That's a big one. Finances, that's a big one. I got to work. Got to get a little overtime, preacher. I can't make it. Okay, I challenge you to do this. Give God, look here, give God 20% of what you make and do it because you want to and watch God take 80% and do more than you can do with 100 Well, it's come on my mind. I'm going to tell it. So, down at Tampa, uh, we had a preacher down there, Brother Junior. Uh, help me, Randy. Huh? Hill, Junior Hill. Junior gets up and preached one night, and he said, when I was a young preacher, and he's just starting out, he said, I went somewhere and preached and said, they gave me a $100 bill. He said, that was big when I started if you got $25, you was fortunate. He said, this place give me a $100 bill. And the next place I went to preach, I don't know where I'm going this morning, I'm just preaching, stay with me. And, and he said, the next place I went to preach, he said, I've seen that preacher come in, he is ragtagged, his old suit is wore out, kids wearing hand-me-downs, said, awfulest looking bunch you ever seen, but they love God, said they just love God, and said, he said, they was going to go somewhere, and the preacher said, well, said my, old, said, my tires are just about bald on this old car. He said, I'm about afraid to drive it out of the driveway. Brother Junior, somehow the conversation come around, he said, what does a set of tires cost on that? He said, $100. You know that's been back in 1940. I ain't paid $100 for a tire in a long time. He said, the Holy Ghost said, give him that 100. Junior said, I don't get no hundreds when I go preach. Lord, can I keep this 100? No. That preacher needs that 100. He said, tell you what I've done. He said, I gave that broke preacher $100 and said, put, put a set of tires on your car. And you know what he said? I've never lacked having that $100 in my pocket. He said, every time I give it away, it comes right back. <laughs> every time, it just comes right back. <laughs> Praise God, isn't that the way he works? <laughs> isn't that one? Just keep coming. Hey, just keep rowing, keep going. It'd be all right. 
Things come against us, family, finances. We have all these things. We're fighting over this or that. But here's what, who we really war against, principalities and powers. That's who you're battling against. It's things you can't see. People do things they don't even know why they do them because they're being influenced by something they can't see. And then the thing they can't see has influenced them to, to do something with something they can see. And the next thing you know, you got problem and there's a storm of perfection coming by. And here they are and these things contrary. Is they think something contrary to you today? I just nearly know there is. Young people face contrary things in school. Peer pressure. I'm going to, I'm going to challenge my, and I know most, most, a big part of them, not most, a big part of them is in North Carolina this morning at the youth retreat. But here's, a, I'll put this on record. You can, it'll be on film, Facebook, and, and you mom and dads can remember it. If, if you kids got, any of you kids got a problem, you need somebody to talk to, you come talk to old gray-headed preacher. And I won't never tell your mama or daddy, your grandpa, grandma, I won't tell my wife. I won't tell nobody but Jesus, and I'll keep it till I die. Unless you tell somebody, it'll never be known. And you can tell me whatever you want to tell me. And you can't embarrass me. Uh, listen, I've been alive 61 years. I know one or two things. There's things contrary wise to them. And they're right in the middle of the will of God. And God says, I'm, I'm working on you. Now here we go. Here we go. So Jesus sees them there. It's the darkest time of the night. It's the fourth watch of the night. And you can read the commentary on uh, when they took this time frame Jews started recognizing it or not but, but it's pretty much it's in the morning hours the earliest morning hours they're coming the watches come it's the darkest time of the night they're rowing and when they see him watch this when they see him they think he's a spirit I'm going to tell you I think I would have responded the same way he said they went whoa A long time ago, Grover and I used to fish a lot of tournaments together and we sat on this Mud Creek hump out there in the middle of the uh, Ray Springs uh, Creek and we, we, we won a lot of tournaments sitting on that one spot and never would move, just pull right there and stay. But I, I, I think about that last night. I thought, wonder what happened. We'd been sitting out there one night and seen somebody come walking toward us. I'd have hit the starts button on that thing and I'd have been gone is what had happened to me. Not only is the wind contrary to them, but the wind's up, the waves is up, everything's up. This is a bad time. What's happening? Jesus just walking. That says a lot of things right there. It's another message. Chris Rumfelt preached this, but, but I'll not, not re-preach his message. But literally, Jesus came walking on your storm. And the storm is a picture of the world. The water is the world. We see that by Scripture here. And Jesus walks on the world. I'll sing that song. There, there's nothing for us to fear. He's not afraid of anything. He wasn't afraid to drink the cup. He didn't want the cup because the cup was the, the wrath of the Father poured out on the Son, the sinless Son of God. He's go, they're going through. Jesus is walking in. Now watch this. Here comes my coming and going and I'll be done. So Peter says, Lord, if that's really you, bid me come. Now, 
You know what Jesus says? Come. That's not hard. This ain't the class. Listen, everybody got an A plus on that question. What did Jesus say? Come. You know what he had said over in Matthew eleven twenty eight? Come unto me, all ye that labor. He had not just included the Jew to the Jew first, but also to the Greek, praise God. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He wants to trade burdens with us. That's what he's going to do. So here he comes. Are, are you still with me? Are we there? Now, Peter, in all his life, the only tangible thing that's preserving him right now is that boat. Now, Peter's a great swimmer. We learned that by John. He, done, he jumped out of the boat and swam to the shore before them boys could row to the shore. He's an excellent swimmer. But now Peter, Peter's doing something he's never done before. And that might be just for you today. He's working himself to a frazzle in that boat. No doubt they're taking turns rowing and they're not getting nowhere. But when he sees the Christ on the world, he says this to him, I want to come to you. I'm tired of being where I'm at. I want to come to you. Let me come to can I Can I come? Jesus says, come. If, it's, if you're the Christ, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come. Come. You know what he says to everybody in this room this morning? Come. Come. But you know what you got to do? You got to go. Coming and going. That's the principle of it matter. You can't come and stay where you're at. If you're going to come to him, you've got to leave where you are and get out of the thing you're most comfortable with and start toward him no matter what the world around you looks like or is doing. Because I'm going to tell you, in the eyes of the secular world today, churches like this one is way down on the bottom. They think we're nut jobs. Why in the world would you come in here and cry and carry on, wave your arms and shout, talk about somebody you can't see? And by that spirit you talked about this morning, that's how we know. These things have I revealed unto you by my spirit. That's how we know. So Peter leaves his, his safety net and he's going to do something and wonder what he thought when he stepped out with one leg and slung the other and over. I, I guess he's kind of like Colin. Dusty said he won't let go of the side of the pool. He may be hanging on to the boat and all of a sudden he let go. You know what he's telling you today? Just let go. Just let go. Come. Yeah, but there's a lot of the world between you and me. Come. You can walk right across the top of it. Yeah, but it's, it's okay, Lord, I got my eye on you. Here I come. And now, 
Oh, where'd you go, Lord? He's right there where he's always been. You just got your eyes on something besides him. Bless God, keep your eye on him. Peter had never began to sink. He'd have never went down. But you want to see the grace of my God? I'm telling you, when he began to sink and he realized he's sinking. Somebody might be sinking this morning. When he realized he was sinking, he knew who to call to. He said, Lord, save me. He didn't delay. He didn't tell him to say three Hail Marys. He didn't say no. He didn't say wait a while. No, immediately, bless God. He stretched forth his hand and pulled him up out of the sinking world. And there he is. And now he's got the one by the hand he needs by the hand, the one you need by the hand, the one that wants to hold your hand, the one that's going to help you through this mess that we're in, in this world. I'm going to tell you, friend, one of these glorious mornings, or I believe it'll be dark here. Gabe, I think it'll be dark. Because I think it'll be morning in Jerusalem. I think the day will break on Jerusalem. I don't, I just, that's to my personal opinion. I won't fight or argue if you disagree. It's okay. But one, one time, sometime, I heard the story. I told the story about Eurus passing away and, 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 and Grimsley burying him in that cherry coffin. I thought we was going to have to pay for it. Had me nervous as a cat. And, and he said, no, we'll just pay for it. But I, I told that story and about when I was at the nursing home and Eurus asking me, can you hear him? Can you hear them? I said, I don't hear them, Brother Yuris. I was listening real close, but I, I couldn't hear them. See, I was still here. I was, I was in this place, but he was headed to another place. And I said, what are they saying to you, Yuris? He said, they're yelling for me. I don't think George had a speech impediment anymore or Gaither. We buried both of those brothers. I believe when Eurus stepped across the line, they said, well, there he is. Eurus finally got home. Somebody told me after church that night, they said this, said, said an old saint of God was dying and said from their church and said she'd lost her voice. She couldn't speak. You know it begins to go away. You lose the air volume. It takes a lot of air to speak. And so they begin to lose, she began to lose that, and she was down to about a whisper, Brother Gabe, and said that, said that uh, she motioned for one of them down there, and she said this, she said, can you hear them? And they said, no, we don't hear anything. I said, what do you hear? She said, trumpets. <laughs> trumpets. I hear trumpets blowing. One of these mornings, you know what the Bible says right there? And immediately, if you, read, if you read Mark's account, and immediately they were at the shore. When he got in the vessel, immediately they're, they're at the shore. At Gennesaret, here they come. You know what's going to happen? I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. If you're not in Christ this morning, you're hopeless. You're living under the condemnation of God right now, and you're in a bad place. So I'm sitting in a church house. I'm in a good place. Spiritually, you're in a bad place. If we believe that Jesus died, 
Even, and we know that he did. Even them that believe in Jesus shall God bring with you. And this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain shall not prevent them which are asleep. Can't stop it. For the trump shall sound. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort ye one another with these words. You know what he's saying? One of these days, I heard him, Brother Branch, I heard him call me. He said, come. And I said, okay. But I, one of these days, he's going to call me, and I, I, can't, I can't stay here and go to him. I'm going to have to leave. And he's going to call and I'm leaving. If I leave soon, I'd miss Pat, Dusty, Joe, Beth, and Colin Boyd. I'd miss them. Well, I won't miss them when I get there. They might miss me. I got a feeling they will. But I'm not D.L. Moody. When I leave here, don't you cry for me. Because the obituary will say, Mike McCoy, deceased. I'll never be more alive. I'm going to park this little car. I'm going to get out and slam the door on this junker and look for the brand new model. Praise God. Latest edition with all the buttons and whistles. And it ain't going to cost me a dime. Uh-huh. When he shall appear, I shall be like him, for I shall see him as he is. You know what? He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And we're going. He's a coming and we're going. Peter couldn't go. Peter, when he said come, Peter couldn't go. To go, Peter had to leave where he was. I can't get to where he's at unless I leave where I am. That is now spiritually speaking, but that is now that is now spiritually speaking to the lost people. You can't get to where you want to go unless you leave from where you are. How do I leave? He says, come. He says, come, Randall, come on. He says, come. He says, come. Come. I watched some, I watched some Ray Comfort videos. I talked about this in Sunday school just a moment. They're interviewing these people, and here's their, here's, here's their, their, their thinking. One guy said, I'm bad. I'm a bad dude. He said, you believe in God? Oh, yeah, I believe in God. He said, when you die, where are you going? He said, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good guy. He's cussing like a sailor. He said, I'm a good guy. He said, you are? And he started asking him some questions. He failed the test miserably. He's guilty of all the Ten Commandments and then some on top of that. And in his mind, he said, no, that's no problem. He said, I believe in the Lord. Well, some of, Listen, everybody in this room believes that Joe Biden's the president of the United States, but I don't know anybody in this room knows him personally. Because when you know somebody personally, you can pick up a phone and call them. They'll take your call. You know what he says, Jake? Come. Why does he want us to come? So we can go. He wants us to come so we can go. As we stand our feet, they begin to sing. 
Pastor Mike McCoy, thanking you for joining us at the Time of Truth.